And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Hi. Welcome to a Friday. Welcome. Hey, you know what I did during the top of the hour? I just, right when we went into the break, I went, oh, that's right. Mm. Riley Gaines was in Buffalo last night. Okay. At in Univers- the news? University of Buffalo. Right. <laughs> it was really interesting because I first went to uh, the Buffalo News. That's the newspaper in Buffalo. Mm. Could not find any story on the front page of their website. Nothing. Nothing on her speaking at all. Mm. Went to all three, ABC, NBC, CBS affiliates, the TV stations there, could not find any story on their website on Riley Gaines being wow. in Buffalo. No, wow. I mean it was on, it was on the hockey team's last home game, not making the playoffs. <laughs> right, that that was pasted all over the place. But in Buffalo, that's the way that it, that that's not unusual for that to happen. The only story about a school was a local school there where the students walked because they were protesting. There's a change in leadership and they like the current leadership, but it's a small private school. But that was like one of the top stories. And Raleigh Gaines didn't appear anywhere. So then I went to YouTube. I said, okay, maybe they have some pictures. Nothing on YouTube. Nothing. So then I just, in general, put it on Google and there it came up from the. University of Buffalo newspaper, the student-run newspaper, mm. the the Spectrum, uh, and then uh, they had a story on it, and you you looked at it, but the story was written pretty fair that I could see, and said she spoke to a hundred people and talked about how uncomfortable it was to have to, you know, be in the same locker room as you know Leah Thomas, basically undressing and things like that, and the only thing they had there was one arrest, and they have it on v- film. There was, they, you know, there were, uh, what do they call it, student or, uh, what do they call it, um, oh, what's the name of it, uh, uh, organizer photographers or whatever. So, I mean, I think they had some of the people that were organizing it that were, you know, taking pictures, One, but it's an empty parking lot. Mm. And one woman has a, you know, she or one person, 
has a, you know, uh, holding up a protest signs and takes it, the cardboard and hits, you know, basically her phone in her hand. The cops arrested her like that. Oh. But there was nobody else there. You're like, well, there's nobody there. Right. I didn't I didn't see I didn't see 20 people protesting. Now maybe the camera angle was wrong. I didn't see 20 people. And yeah. I didn't even see an organized group, just a few people, you know, walking the parking lot with it. Um accuracy in the in the media was there the conservative group saying let's not be like uh, you know, let's show what being inclusive is. Don't be like S San Francisco uh, State University. And so from what I heard, nothing happened. Nothing. Okay. So really, and the only one, other ones that's, that reported it was Campus Reform had mm. a story on it. Mm. And it was simply, they're walking, you know, students tearing down posters. Well, you walk in this hallway and there's just two students. I mean, there's nobody else really doing it. Two students, like, pulling down stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's not like there's a mob or something. It's Right. No, it's, it was two students. So it... Um, I'm not surprised. You know, you know, we talk about the large cities, for example, and to fund the police and everything else. Mm-hmm. What you have to remember is, you know, we're talking about the real large Democratic bastions. But a lot of medium-sized cities are, cities are run by Democrats, and they're not doing the same thing. It's, it's interesting it's, because it's as interesting you're to, describing yeah. to me what you found, I'm thinking to myself, all right, because we've talked about it. What you see in the media and on social media quite often is not a proper depiction of what's going on in everyday life. What happened in San Francisco is an accurate depiction of what happens in many of the larger metro areas, the blue cities. And we've, you and I have covered it for decades. But if you were to extrapolate it out, how do people feel about these these topics? If you got an honest answer from Americans on these topics of men playing in, in this specific topic, men playing women's sports, you're going to see the majority do not support that. And in a lot of these, you know, uh, smaller cities, and I'll include Buffalo in it. Remember, even during the 2020 riots that happened. Everything really, the the blank hit the fan when somebody threw a Molotov cocktail into an office at City Hall. Now, City mm. Hall is, if you've ever seen Buffalo City Hall, it's massive. I mean, mm. it's a massive City Hall. Mm. Uh, it was built, what, 1930s, early 1930s, maybe mm. late 20s. I can't remember when it was built. Massive. And the mayor said it stops at that point. And then remember, remember the guy who was, uh, remember the guy who was taunting the police and then there was a big to-do that went nationwide that he was pushed over and right. the cops were rough with him. And, you know, that went through the process and the cops were totally exonerated. Uh, you know, you have, there are a lot of cities, medium-sized cities, Midwest cities, and I view Buffalo as more of a Midwest city. Uh, you know, when remember when remember when Colin Kaepernick first came to uh, you know, when, when that first summer, whenever that was, I can't remember when it, when it was, was it 2015 maybe when, or maybe it was 24, not 2015, I think. Yeah. Cause Trump was running. Yeah. Okay. I think the first was 2015. Yeah. Remember all the big to do in the media covering him and how much, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was a, a hero. He was booed. The first place that he actually started as quarterback was a Bills game in 
he got booed like you can't believe it. Mm. You go to a, and a lot of these mediums, and I'm just using Buffalo because I know Buffalo. I'm right. from yeah. Buffalo. I'll be there again. You know, I've, I've been gone for, mm, you see, since 97, but everybody knows that I've basically been back once a month for, mm. the, you know, for the last, you know, 25 years. You're going so, this weekend. Yeah, I'm flying in uh, tonight back Sunday morning, Dad's uh, Dad's birthday, and celebrating my sister's and my brother's birthday, too, all, you know, but... Uh, Dad's birthday turned 97, so flying in late tonight. Then, But I'll be there all day tomorrow. Then I fly back early Sunday so I can be here. Thank goodness for those nonstop direct flights. Mm. Oh, they're wonderful. Uh, and and so I've never, you know, lost the feel for what's going on there. And um, I'm not surprised by this. You know, yeah, you have a you – know, you right. University of Buffalo is the largest university, I believe, in all of New York State. Mm-hmm. massive campus there's mm-hmm. two two different campuses mm-hmm. and i believe it is the biggest campus in all of new york state the majority of the people there are not from buffalo right they're not from western new york so you may have more radicals there buffalo is not a very radical place there is still a tremendous a a tremendous um I and and it you know for for example I I know because I I didn't grow up in the Irish section but a lot of politicians that were Democrats came out of the Irish uh, the first ward of of, of of Buffalo and related to that extremely Democrat I'll I'll, I'll give you an idea Tim Russert's father hmm. if you ever read Tim Russert's book Tim Russert's father would be the typical Democrat that was in Buffalo. Extremely conservative in many, many areas. Maybe pro-union, but extremely, extremely conservative, especially on social issues. Mm. And how much that's changed, because everything has changed. It probably has to some degree. But in a lot of these small Midwestern cities, uh, you know, you have a you still have a tremendous uh, small town home feel where radicalism is harder to take uh, root. Remember when the uh, the Lackawanna 7, remember that after mm-hmm. 2000, uh, the 9-11, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their own people turned them in. Yeah. because And they remember saying, we didn't come to this country for that. There is an extreme, there's an extremely, I don't know how to put this because it is a, you know, it's it's a it's a big city. It's a it's a major city. It's got you know everything. I mean, you you go there, but there is an extremely small town feel, and I think you may have the same in places like, uh, you know, Syracuse, Rochester, Cleveland, um, uh, you know, probably more the Detroit suburbs, mm. uh, and and a lot of the Republicans are in conserv are in uh, the suburbs because that's what, one thing people don't know. You know, you can. If you want Trump to get off uh, on the, on the charge with Bragg, you know, let let him go to Chautauqua County. You know, one of the small. I just threw Chautauqua County out. Uh, they're throw, one of the rural counties in New York. Probably won't get convicted. I mean, ex- extreme conservatives in the area, but still, even in a city like Buffalo, I'm not surprised that if people are going to rally about something that they view is part of what they believe as Democrats, probably you saw more support for the unionization of Starbucks that started in Buffalo 
than you ever would males playing against females. Yeah, right. Okay. It just does. It doesn't fit. Even though they're Democrats, it doesn't fit. They're not the same as the National Democrats, and it doesn't fit into into their sense of fair play. It just doesn't. Right. And like I said, we're not going to ignore the Democrats out there that are doing the right thing. And we talked about this with journalism. You can't ignore Matt Taibbi or Michael Schellenberger mm-hmm. or even Bernard Goldberg or Barry Weiss or many others. We're just naming a few because they – they stand for it. Those are loyal Democrat liberals, but they're the old school Democrat liberals. They're not the insanity that we've really seen come out in the last 10 to 15 years. You and I first noticed it in 2006 when they won the midterms. I remember you and I said, whoa, what happened here? All of a sudden, they're saying things they would never say before. But you have, there are Democrats, and it, they do represent a part of the Democratic Party and that's who the Republicans, by the way, if you're talking politics, that's who the Republicans can win the message against. DeSantis did that in Florida. There is an opportunity to actually get Democrats. There it, is, and it requires the work to be done. It requires the messaging, but you have to show them. You have to demonstrate it over and over again. The one thing about DeSantis is he's done that in his state. And... He does the work, uh, and I'm sure he would tell you, that the people sent him there to do. And when you went over a, an entire state like that, when you turn your entire state red the way that he did, he and his party did, then the question is, can you do that on the national scale? The Republican Party's always been capable of doing it in, in that they had the tools they just didn't have the messaging. And so I'm just reading it here. Protesters filled the sidewalk across from the center of tomorrow as the event attendees lined up to see former All-American swimmer turned political commentator. She didn't turn political commentator. <laughs> she's just she's defending the situation she went through. But turned political commentator Riley, or Riley Gaines speak on UB's North Campus Thursday night. Six university, six university police officers assembled barricades across the street to block off the road while protesters wave signs. Hmm. And the one protester they show, and this is the UB Spectrum, the student newspaper, Tracy Jones, a protester who does not attend UB, <laughs> spoke to attendees yeah. okay. through a microphone. And even there, you, I see one, two, three, four, five, five protesters. Hmm. So like I said, you know, you, we all know that's the beauty of what Raleigh Gaines is doing. We knew if prominent women stood up that that was the best push against the insane liberal wave of intimidation to force people to accept something that they know is a load of horse manure. Biological males cannot be females, and they shouldn't be competing against females. And once you do that, you know, you may have the radical places of Portland and San Francisco and whatever, these large cities that can gather enough people, but you start going to the heartland of this country. And Democrats aren't even going to buy into that crap. No. No, they're not. And so it was really interesting to see that. We'll see if there's more. But it was just UB Spectrum. That was it. And Campus Reform that we've acknowledged before is doing some some great. They're the ones that go on with the microphone Mm -hmm. and ask questions to college students. Huh? What? Can you be seven feet tall? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's but it's this is the effort that has to uh, be maintained. This is what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the younger demographics, for uh, school age women that are playing sports, the parents are going to be there, no doubt. But you get into uh, the college level, and it's going to require more and more of those athletes coming out saying, no, we can't do this. And quite unfortunately, you can't do it anonymously. No, you can't. There is a consensus, and it outnumbers the mob. And and to win this debate in the arena of ideas, prominent women have to come forward, more of them, just like you said before with the reporters. You need more Mad Taibis. You need more yeah. Barry Weisses. You yes. need more Michael Schellenbergers. Right. You need them to start, you know, multiply and say, no, this is what I want to do. I believe in liberalism, but I believe I can sell liberalism. I mean, if you... If which you means put, I, I can sell liberalism, which means I can debate it with a conservative. You put them, you put you journalists like but, that all under one house and, and you've got a subscriber in me. Because I'll that's something that I would look for. I don't care what their bent is. Do the reporting. Well, you know, it was... The, uh, Do the journalism. Roy uh, Tahera, who we read before, the mm-hmm. prominent Democrat strategist who I believe joined National Review. And remember he wrote, the, or the Wall Street Journal or somebody he wrote, but he said, and the Democrats went nuts and he said... But they told me I can write whatever I want, mm-hmm. that I can right. debate them, and then they'll debate me, and we can debate each other back and forth. And I want wish. And he wrote a column that we read earlier about electric vehicles. Democrats, sorry, don't try to sell this. You're not going to convince the country that it's the right way to go. Right. And and so, like I said, the more uh, any Democrat who believes that they can argue the point and believes in free speech and that they can defeat my argument. I'm for that. I want that. I I don't want you and I have stated this. We don't want Democrats to shut up. We've never wanted Democrats to shut up. It's the last thing that we want to do is shut up liberalism. We want them to speak as loud and as crazy as they wish to speak. Yep. Because we believe, number one, that's the country we live in is free speech. And number two, we can win the argument every time. Mm-hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. The Agriculture Department has had for years a relatively small urban forestry program designed to plant trees and create some natural green spaces in urban areas that don't have such spaces. It has been a $40 million program. However, the Inflation Reduction Act has provided us with a historic opportunity to scale up these efforts. At a ceremony in Newark, New Jersey this week, Undersecretary of Agriculture for Natural Resources, Dr. Homer Wilkes, announcing a big scale-up of that program. From a $40 million program up to $1.5 billion. Most of that $1.5 billion will be in the form of competitive grants for tree planting and green space projects in low-income, urban, and inner-city areas. President Biden's clean energy advisor, John Podesta, told the audience, Planting trees cleans up the air we breathe, keeps our city streets cool during sweltering summers, it creates safer, healthier neighborhoods. And he says it's going to provide jobs across the country as well. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. I will say one thing, though. As much as, you know, we have no problem recognizing uh, uh, Democrats or liberals that are willing to tell the truth and are for journalism, for example, Matt Taibbi and Schellenberger and Barry Weiss and Bernard Goldberg and others out there, they're being interlocked. Or if you want to look at Jonathan Turley, Jonathan Turley, for example, Mm -hmm. you can look at him or... Uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as complimenting Gavin Newsom as much as Trump did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably hold back a little. I probably hold back on those type of compliments. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting you know there's so many great ways to find great deals hey i have a great find in your bargain hunting journey book online at motel6.com use the code cp red eye to get 15 percent off your stay at motel 6 or studio 6 with almost 1500 locations across the country there's almost always a motel 6 or studio 6 nearby and truck parking is available at most locations enjoy a clean comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code cp red eye that's the letters cp red eye all one word for 15 percent off your stay at motel6.com that is a bargain that's just something i've noticed brought to you by motel 6 seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week the excitement never ends download june's journey now on your android or ios device or play on pc through facebook games The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, so uh, the audio cut of the week. A uh, quick setup. Uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre talking to reporters. Reporters uh, getting pretty uh, angry that uh, Biden will never hold a press conference with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> saying, you know, he, he won't... Uh, uh, you know, he, he won't talk to us. Why not? Are you attempting to hide him? Right. Was act- That question was actually asked. Are you attempting to hide him from the media? By the way, he's not doing himself any favor speaking in other countries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. If you're not going to even, if you're not going to talk to the media, don't, just wave. All you got to do is just walk and wave. Don't, don't say anything. Because it was bad. It was bad. I, it, it, was bad. It, it was just mumbling. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty bad. You don't sit there as an American and look, there's our president. It's like, whoa. Uh, and I'm sorry, but this is the, this is the impression you get. Oh, so uh, great-grandfather's over for a visit. Yeah. That's, that, I'm sorry, that's the impression that you, you don't get the impression of strength. Maybe I shouldn't say that because, uh, well, I didn't know my great-grandfather, but my grandfather was... Uh, just like my dad is, who's 97, Mm. he's still a pillar of strength to me, but it's based on his character. 
and and you know, of course, knowing him all these years, but uh, mm-hmm. he is physically frail. But I mean, just the 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 physical look of the president himself. I mean, is just not and the mumbling and the stories that he's telling. I've been wondering just, for a while international travel how. You know, that's hard on anybody. Yeah. But I, I've been wondering for a while how long he could sustain that. I sort of, I just put my hand in my head the other day going, oh, please just stop talking. Just stop talking, please. And it's just like he's mumbling. And yeah. It's just, it's bad. Right. And, uh, and that's the thing. If he thinks that he's getting away from it, I can go away for a week. We'll visit. We'll do this. And then one of the questions, <laughs> so is this just a taxpayer uh, funded family vacation for you, right? What's your connection to uh, 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 to Ireland, uh, specifically with Hunter and his businesses? But still, <laughs> the audio cut of the week was uh, this shows you how bad the administration is that they can't even justify what he is doing right now. Mm. And this is Corrine Jean Pierre, and it's you can even you can hear the moan and groan of the reporters to what she stated here when they're complaining that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hold press conferences with us. He will not go back and forth with questions. We can't ask him a question, and then after he answers it, you know, have a follow-up question to him. That's not permitted. So what in the world is going on here? So I'll say this. It is also unprecedented that a president takes as many shouted questions as this president has. And he has. Okay. That's the White House press corps. That's like, yeah. that's a load of horse manure, Kareem. Yeah, that's Stop garbage. it. That's garbage. But think about it. What she's saying is this, is, this is how bad it is. The defense of the president now is... For those of you who don't know what shouted questions are, the president will take will turn his head with the jets because they're uh, jet engine helicopters with the jet engines <laughs> making a heck of a lot of noise in the background. He'll say, "Huh?" People will scream a question. What? Huh? Whoa? Whoa? Uh, 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 oh, I don't know. All right, and turn around and walk away. That's seriously what those conferences are like. And so the reporters have to scream the question. And that's Corrine Jean-Pierre, in order to promote what she is trying to convince the reporters of, the president, this is a transparent administration because as he heads to the helicopter, he will turn to you, let you yell a question. He can't hear it. You have to yell it a second time, a third time. He doesn't like the question. He goes, oh, whatever, and turns around and walks back towards the helicopter. Uh That's a type of transparency she is promoting as unprecedented in the White House. You can't make this up. No. All right, quickly get to some other news out there. Uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, uh, yesterday uh, said that, uh, uh, you know, what's going on with Dianne Feinstein that the Democrats are calling on her to uh, resign, they would never do to a man. And so Dianne Feinstein is calling Democrats in Congress sexist. Mm. Yeah, We know they are. They're also misogynist. Mm-hmm. They all agree with the liberal right. transgender activist mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. Well, then, then this. I just, I just want to read the first paragraph. Okay. Andrew McCarthy, National Review. I swear I'm not making this up. What's going on with the different lawsuits and... Everything else. We now have Donald Trump suing Michael Cohen based on Cohen's cooperation with Alvin Bragg, 
who consequently indicted Trump, prompting Jim Jordan to launch a congressional investigation of Bragg on behalf of Trump, which triggered Bragg's civil lawsuit against Jordan for interfering with Bragg's prosecution of Trump. Got that? <laughs> oh, God, this is great. Going to, and then he goes through all the different lawsuits and all, all how they're interrelated. I'm not going to go through it now, but I mean, I understand it well, all. Those but it was three just... could be in a courtroom together for the next 200 years. Cohen, Bragg, and Trump. Why don't you have put Cohen, put Cohen, mm-hmm. Jordan, mm-hmm. Trump, and Bragg all in a room together? Yeah, right. And let them just go at it. Right. Oh, that would be fun. I don't think I don't think Bragg Bragg would never agree to it. Cohen would be so he's got nothing to lose. He'd do it. I don't think Bragg would do it. No. Uh, this is a really interesting case before the Supreme Court next week. A devout Christian's choice to put his faith above his job has put him at the center of a constitutional fight that's now headed to the Supreme Court. The justices will hear oral arguments Tuesday in a workplace discrimination appeal challenging the high court's 1977 precedent for determining an undue hardship on employers when accommodating an employee's religious beliefs and practices. This is a mail carrier, Gerald uh, Groff, sued the U.S. Postal Service after being disciplined for refusing to work on Sundays when he says he observes the Sabbath. He said the, po- his, the policy violates his sincere conscience and that he endured a period of, har- of harassment and threats from supervisors. He said the response from the Postal Service was brutal. I felt targeted for almost two years. Rather than respect my religious beliefs, the Postal Service chose to make an example of me. The case is the second high-profile appeal over religious liberty to be argued before the Supreme Court this uh, term. Now, here's what it's about. It's about uh, undue hardship. Uh, on the term, employer. On the employer, right. Now, here's the point of it. When you actually go through it, it doesn't look like it is a religious persecution. If you take away what he said might be harassment, if you just look at the facts of the case, uh, he was hired part-time as an auxiliary mailman to fill in. That's what he was hired for. Sundays are a part of when you have to work. Mm. It wasn't even... Because I went, okay, so you're working five days a week, and then they mandate overtime on Saturday and Sunday. If it's the Sabbath there, you might say, look, I'm doing six days a week. Find somebody else, and this is mandatory overtime. And, you know, and this is, you're calling it mandatory overtime, but this is the Sabbath. You would have a better case. I don't know if you'd still win in that case, because what you're saying is an auxiliary person, a post office may come back and go, look, we use him two days a week. He can only work one. Sundays is the one day where we need people all the time. And there was an expectation that Sundays you were going to have to work because any day as an auxiliary person, you were going to have to work. And he didn't tell us this until after we hired him. That's the question. Did they ever, did they at any point during the hiring process, was there any kind of questioning or understanding between both that 
Sundays would not be one of the days you have to work? And did that policy change based right. on, you know, new uh, delivery schedules, new delivery uh, 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 contracts for the USPS? Did it change after he was hired? Did he accept the job and ask them at some point, would I ever have to worry, uh, work Sunday? And at that point, they were not working on Sunday, and then that changed, would be the question. Because if he got the job and they told him, you're going to have to work uh, two days or whatever it is, part-time, you're going to have to work a couple days a week, and we work all days, right. seven days now, a week. Now, does this change it? But a year after he began working, the USPS contracted with Amazon to deliver yes. their packages, right. On re- requiring Sunday shifts for deliveries. Okay, after discussion then, yeah. with his supervisors, Groff said he was allowed to miss Sunday work so long as he could personally find a replacement. It's the burden is on him to find somebody right in the in the schedule. Initially, he was able to work out an arrangement with his supervisors to transfer to another branch that did not deliver on Sundays. When that branch began till Sunday deliveries, I, I don't think he's got a case. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, because, I, I just you I, know things things changed. The job changed after he was hired. But this isn't a full-time job. Right. It, I don't know. Does it say it's his primary source of revenue or Doesn't, income? I don't think that would matter in the case, though. Yeah. Um, and it, know, might again, ma- it might matter morally, but I don't think yeah, legally it matters whether. Right. Uh, I, I don't, because if you're saying that one day out of the week, and it's not that you work Monday through Friday and that's overtime. You know, you're working a lot of Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And is a religious accommodation one day every week. Right. You know, that's not like I wish to pray during my coffee break and you won't allow me to do that. Or I need, you know, can you accommodate this one religious holiday? Holiday, right. Yes. Once a year. As opposed to well, I don't. I don't think currently. I don't think currently that that the Supreme Court precedent says you must be allowed to have off Easter or Christmas. No, I don't. I don't. That's that's why I don't think he has a legal case here. Right. And now you're saying once a week you have it because it came forward. I mean, if my company gave me Christmas off and then decided not to give me Christmas off, I don't believe I have a religious lawsuit. Right. Under current precedent of the supreme court yeah but what is undue hardship i which, can't, which I can't, makes me wonder how it got to this, the supreme I, court. I, that's, I told you that i said how did he get this far because this it it seems pretty clear cut because if the high court comes in and says no the worker has that right then you open the door for the worker to have that right. And in every case of a Sunday, uh, or if you're Jewish, Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, and then any kind of religious hol- holiday along the way must be observed by the company for that 
that person. Yeah, interesting. It will be interesting to hear. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Yeah, this guy at the post office missed, I think, 24 shifts over a 14-month period. And plus, there were complaints that from others, other uh, postal workers who were forced then to work Sunday, hmm. uh, uh, you know, for him, that they say went against their union contract. Oh, well, the contract is the contract. <laughs> so, so it's, so I'm just like, well, but I, I just, I don't see the Supreme Court, even as conservative as it is, saying that it's a reasonable accommodation, religious accommodation, one day a week. That, that the that, employer must make must, that accommodation. Must make an accommodation one day a week right. when you're only working probably a couple of days a week because you're a fill-in and the whole purpose of a fill-in, it reminds me of, reminds me of the Seinfeld episode with Kramer mm-hmm. <laughs> when the uh, the union that was on strike for 12 years uh, finally settled for $5.30 an hour, which happened to be the minimum wage <laughs> yeah. 12 years later. And, uh, and uh, he went to work for the bagel shop uh, for fill in during the holidays, and then he wanted Festivus off. And he goes, you know, yeah, I'm going after you for, you know, for my religious liberty. And he goes, I hired you to work the holidays. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Festivus was the 23rd. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I look at this, I can't even see the conservative Supreme Court. I'd be very surprised if they would say, okay, well, that's a, you know, that's not an undue hardship for an employer. Right. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.